tonight. Bless our Bible study in the book of Proverbs. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen and amen. All right, Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs chapter 30. And uh, tonight uh, we're looking at uh, the destructive power of rebellion. Uh, rebellion's nothing new. Um, you know, it's uh, been around as long as man's been around. And uh, uh, rebellion uh, in probably every generation, every age, uh, unfortunately, a lot of times is admired and encouraged, um, uh, draws attention. Some people uh, are kind of drawn toward rebellious people even. Uh, but uh, let me just say this, the Lord doesn't like it. Amen. And uh, I don't know about you, but if the Lord doesn't like something, I don't want to like it either, right? And I think that's important. And um, so we're looking at the destructive power of rebellion. And uh, we'll just, we'll get into it here in just a moment. We'll be looking at verses 10 through 20. And um, our first few verses, we're going to notice uh, a phrase, this, uh, there is a generation. Um, and uh, we see today uh, a generation, I, I, I would think, and not just a, but several generations, I would probably say, uh, that ought to trouble a Bible-believing Christian. Uh, if you're saved tonight and you really believe what God says in His Word, and if you have an ounce of discernment at all, uh, we shouldn't like seeing what we're seeing out in the world today. Now, we're to love them. We want to see them saved. Amen. Uh, but but we, we should certainly be concerned about things that are going on. And so Agers, we know, is the author of, of this particular Proverbs, Proverbs 30. Uh, maybe not all of it, depends on who you talk to, but, but I believe he's still uh, inspired by God to put these words down. And even in his time, he too saw a generation that troubled him as well. Uh, so that's what I mean. It's, it's nothing new, you know. Um, uh, you know, we, we hear that sometime. And, and I remember when I was a young kid, all the older people would say, you know, your, your generation don't know, you know. And now I'm saying it to the other generation as well. And uh, so, so we see that, those types of things that are going on. Uh, and, and it's been going on for many, many years. And Agar was a man, again, that uh, through, we looked at last week, that really through some common sense and certainly trust in God's Word. He had been a changed man, a saved man, uh, and he had come to have a biblical worldview about life. And that's really key to understand. You see, as believers, we need to have a biblical worldview. Amen? Uh, not a political worldview, not, hey, listen, we need to see everything through the lens, through the filter of Scripture. And all of God's people said, yeah, I mean, that's so important. Uh, and, and, I mean, everything ought to be seen through Scripture, not sentimentalism, not emotions, not life experiences, but what thus saith the Lord. That's so important. And, uh, so, and what he saw out of a generation uh, troubled him greatly. Now, I want to just kind of also say something here. Now, I don't, we're not to walk around, woe is me, and, you know, uh, you know we can get, a, uh, some people get a little too far, you know, with that. We're still to love people. We're still to have joy. Uh, we need to, to let our light shine. Amen. And so we're not talking about, uh, you know, uh, building a fort somewhere in the middle of the woods and hiding, uh, although sometimes that sounds appealing to me, <laughs> to be honest with you. But, but we're not to do that. I mean, you can't win people to Jesus doing that. And, uh, but, so, so again, but there, there should be things as a Christian that ought to bother us, amen? Uh, and I think that's important. 
And uh, so, again, it seems that there's, like I said, I mentioned a while ago, all the older folks always look at the younger generation and have things to say. But I think we would all agree that there's always been a, a group of people, a generation, if you will, uh, that are defiant and rebellious. You know, you, you see that a lot. And certainly we see that uh, in today's world as well. Uh, you know, uh, I don't remember the labels, you know, uh, baby boomers. I remember that being around. And, and then uh, uh, I think, what's the next one? Generation X, I think. I think that's like people my age. And, and then there might be some in between there. I don't know. And then, of course, millennials. But now it's, uh, what is it? Uh, what's, the, what's after millennials? Anybody remember? Um, yeah, Gen What is it? I thought that was T. Gen Z? Okay, all right, so Gen, oh, Gen, okay, Z, like Zorro, okay. All right, so Gen Z, and uh, so you have these generations, and, and certainly a lot of uh, rebellious things that we're seeing today, particularly, you know, concerning our country. Uh, and so there are folks, uh, again, throughout each generation that, that certainly live in open rebellion, um, uh, and not, you know, what I'm talking about tonight specifically, though, is things that are open rebellion to the things of God. You know, uh, I'm not talking about preferences and stuff, but I'm talking about defiance to what, what thus saith the Lord. As a matter of fact, uh, some seem to make it a mission, a point, to oppose uh, specific things that the Bible uh, emphasizes, you know. And so we have this whole mess, you know, between what a man and a woman is and, you know, all types of moral issues that are out there right now. We could throw abortion in there, all types of things. And there's some people that have just made it a mission. Uh, they don't even think about the, the facts or anything. They're just against it because it's because God's for it. <laughs> uh, and, and that's too bad. That's too bad. And so, again, they tend to rebel uh, against any kind of authority. They don't listen to reason. Um, uh, certainly they rebel against uh, uh, just simple uh, respect and meekness and humility, the things that God says we should have. Uh, they rebel against kindness, uh, just decency, things, again, that are moral and decent. They rebel against those things. And uh, certainly it was like that in Bible days. It was certainly like that even in the days of, of Agur or Solomon, if you will. And uh, so again, it's, it's, you know, there is a generation, it seems like, right? There's always a group. And, um, and so we're going to look at some specific things dealing with those uh, who destroy things with the rebellion. And so we'll jump right into it. Number one, uh, rebellion destroys the reputation of the good. Look at verse 10, Proverbs 30, verse 10. Accuse not a servant unto his master lest he curse thee, and thou be found guilty. And so, from what I understand in studying this verse, it, is that here we have somebody that's slandering another, uh, somebody that's innocent, by the way, but they're doing it simply for advantage. So the truth isn't, that doesn't matter. <laughs> There's a, in other words, it's, it's, it's not about getting to the truth. It's saying, okay, if I make this person look bad, this will help me. This will help my cause. Uh, and so, a, and certainly that would be a wicked servant. They're saying false things against another servant uh, who, in this case, I believe is blameless. And that word accuse, it, it means to hurt with the tongue. In other words, to, I keep hearing something. Am I getting an idea? Or what? I keep hearing, a, you know, what is that sound I keep hearing, okay? Uh, am I, or is anybody else hearing or is it just me? Okay. Oh, okay. 
Oh, it's down there? Okay, all right. Okay, all right, just want, it's fine. It's not interrupting me, but I just keep, I keep thinking I'm hearing something. So <laughs> That's all right, brother, that's all right. And so, so uh, we're talking about uh, rebellion destroys the reputation of the good. So the word accuse means to, again, to hurt with the tongue, say things. In this instant, trying to hurt the reputation of another, again, just for some type of game, whatever that may be. And certainly we see these types of things certainly being played out uh, you know, in the political arena. Now, don't worry, I, I know I get on a tangent here lately on Wednesday nights, but I'm going to try to stay away from it tonight. I'm going to try. But, but, but again, we, we see a lot of these things going on uh, in the political arena today. Uh, now, don't get me wrong, uh, I don't think any of these folks, even, even some of the ones that I would like to see leading are saints, and I don't even know if any of them are saved or not, so don't, I'm not trying to to uh, uh, make them into something they're not. But certainly anybody with any lick of sense could see that there are people who are trying that to do the right things but are having their character smeared. And they're taking their words and they're twisting them all up. So the truth isn't what matters. Uh, it doesn't matter about that. It's just do whatever you need to do. Ruin somebody so that you can get what you want. And that's what verse 10 is talking about. And it's by those who are in rebellion against a, just an ideology that they hate. And that's too bad. Amen. But uh, again, we, we certainly need to pray about that and, and uh, certainly need to be involved in those types of things. The Bible sometimes talks about wagging of their tongue. And, and again, those that do that, in other words, they're just saying stupid stuff, uh, certainly prove that they're a generation of people of low degree. You know, uh, low morals. You know, what comes out of our mouth speaks a lot about who and what we are. Amen. You know, and we need to get a hold of that. And uh, so, so they will say anything really to get what they want. So number one, let's move on before I uh, get uh, upset. Rebellion destroys the reputation of the good. Number two, uh, rebe rebellion destroys families. We're going to look at two verses for this. Uh, look at verse 11. It says, there is a generation that curseth their father, and doth not bless their mother. Isn't that sad? Verse 17, The eye that mocketh at his father, and despiseth to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pick it out. I would say that God's not too impressed with children that are rebellious to their parents, would you? Uh, and the young eagles uh, shall eat it. That's pretty graphic, isn't it? But there it is, that's what God says. And so, uh, again, we're looking at how rebellion destroys families. In the Old Testament, rebellious children could be put to death. And it wasn't, uh, uh, the, the age limit on that was pretty high, actually. In other words, it was actually what we would call an adult today. Um, and you say, preacher, are you saying that's what we need to do? Well, there'd probably be a lot less rebellion, I could tell you that. <laughs> But, but whether you agree with all that or not, uh, uh, you know, it seems a bit extreme to us, I suppose, and maybe it is, I don't know. But, but one thing it does show us is how God feels about it. Amen? I mean, if God sanctioned, because God sanctioned that, right? Uh, and, and so, if, if you know, uh, being rebellious when, when, when children at any age are rebellious to their children, I'm here to tell you, God hates that. Amen? And we say, well, you know, they're just growing. You know, you got to let them, you got to, you know, uh, the dumbest thing I've ever heard people say is let your children express themselves. That's, that's, hey, listen, you got to raise your kids on purpose, amen. <laughs> they they got to, you got to teach them what's right and what's wrong, amen. 
Am I right tonight, folks? You know, don't get scared. God, God knows how to raise children better than we ever will. Amen. And so, again, the, the thing that we're looking at here is, is God, he starts off in the home with children respecting their parents and obeying their parents. And he says, hey, if they don't, by Jewish law, to a certain degree, it wasn't, okay, I'm mad at you, you die. But certainly there had to be some things in order. But, but it does tell us that how God feels about this. Rebellious children, we think about it today, are a huge problem in homes today. And that's sad. And we got uh, spineless parents that, you know, and to me, there's, there's no fear of children, but there's also no fear from parents as well. You say, what do you mean, preacher? There's a loss of natural affection there that, that I see today that's certainly concerning to me. First of all, it's easy to see children are not afraid uh, of their parents, but even greater than that, parents don't seem to be afraid of the damage that it causes their children when they don't make them mind. If you really love your children, you will make them mind. Amen and amen. Um, and so, you know, I love my children too much to spank them. No, you don't love your children enough to spank them. That's what God says. And uh, so again... Uh, they seem okay to see their children grow up and be rebellious and troublemakers, and that's, that's sad. Um, and so, you know, again, there's, there's some parents that do all they can and things happen, but I want you to understand, you know, I think we would all agree we do live in a day and age where children are running the homes, <laughs> and that's no good. That's no good. It just brings a lot of pain, not only into the mom and dad's life, but even that child as he grows older will have a miserable life because of it. And verse 17 makes it clear it could lead to their destruction. And the reason this is so uh, graphic, uh, verse 17, the eye that mocketh at his father and despiseth to obey his mother, somebody that treats somebody like that, they die this, this death that isn't a pleasant thing to think about. In other words, this is a shameful death. You see, for the Jew... Uh, to, to just be laid out into the, the open and, and basically, you know, your body uh, disintegrates and the animals uh, feast on it, if you will, uh, was in Jewish culture, that, that was a sign of God's disgrace upon that person. Amen. So again, I, how does God feel about children obeying and being rebellious against their parents? I would say he feels very strongly about it, wouldn't you say? Amen. And I don't think that he's changed, do you? I don't believe at all. And so God hates it when children are rebellious. So we as parents, we need to do all we can to keep rebellion out of their lives. And boy, I see that today. You know, it's almost like some, some parents, uh, they, they applaud their children for, you know, uh, sassing a teacher or sassing the police or doing that. You know, well, they're just, they're strong-willed. Yeah, they're strong-willed. That will needs to be broken. Amen. Amen. There needs to be some fear, and that comes from the home. Number three, rebellion destroys our perception of what is moral. Verse 12, there, there it is again. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes, and yet is not washed from their filthiness. That's what God says. You know, people tend to, to elevate things. In other words, prop them up, uh, make them look good, that the Bible speaks against. And that's a shame. And we see that. You know, um, uh, rebellion is, is why women dress immorally. 
no matter what the Bible says. It's, it's all about rebellion. It's not about fashion. It's about rebellion. Rebellion is what causes a person to, to go to drunken parties, no matter what the Bible says about it. Rebellion. Rebellion was what causes a person to use filthy communication, to use filthy language. Where does that come from? I tell you, no matter what the Bible says, you do it anyway, that is rebellion. And God hates it. God hates it. And so rebellion puts our moral compass out of order. You know, and uh, you know, you're fighting the system. Hey, listen, when you do that, your moral compass is going to be off and your actions and things you do and say will reflect that. It makes us do and say things, forgetting just how wicked those things are that the Bible makes clear are. As a matter of fact, we can, we can seem pure in our own eyes and, and we can justify uh, our unbiblical behavior even sometimes. Well, that's just how I am. Well, that's the problem. <laughs> How you are is the problem, <laughs> right? Uh, you need to die to self. That's, that's called sanctification, amen? And uh, so pretty soon, you know, rebellion destroys our perception of what is moral. And uh, we can begin to justify behavior that's unbiblical. Number four, rebellion destroys tenderheartedness. Uh, I think today, you know, um, living a day and age, probably two, three generations, men and women who have lost their blush, Right? You know, uh, there's no shame anymore, I, I tell you. There's no shame. Uh, and and, and there, there's a, a hardness that I see out of little children even sometimes. And, uh, and a lot of that has to do with media and TV and, yes, video games, all of that. We don't understand. It's just, it just lays a layer of callous on our young people's hearts. And they just get a little harder, a little harder. And pretty soon there's no tenderness there that ought to be. We're not... You know, things, things don't... Listen, there are things in a Christian's life and certainly in a child's life that ought to sting. It ought to sting, but, you know, we, we, we just get oblivious to things sometimes. And, and again, this goes back to pride. And so look at verse 13. It says, uh, There is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes, and their eyelids are lifted up. And what this is talking about is talking about their eyes being lifted up in arrogance. This is a, you know, this is somebody that is, you know, stiff-necked, and uh, I, you know, I don't care. Um, and and they're looking down on others. They don't they don't care about the pain that they're causing. Those types of things. And while they do that, they're exalting themselves. They're exalting their views. They're exalting even their possessions. You know, those types of things. And we see that today. And this destroys having a tender heart towards others. Hey, listen, we, listen. you ought to pray to God every day that your heart remain tender. Because this whole world, it happens, you know. It happens to mine sometimes. There's so much that we see out there that pretty soon the shock factor goes away. And, and listen, that's not good. Keep your heart tender. Amen. Keep your heart tender. And, of course, the Word of God has a great deal to do with that. But again, this, you know, we don't want to do things that rebellion is one of those things that destroys having a tender heart in all areas, but certainly toward other people. And, uh, you know, we, we've heard this before. You know, it, it's not how we act, folks, um, that, that, you know, is our grade card. In other words, if I'm going in for a job interview, I'm going to act a certain way, right? Uh, but how we react is really our report card. That's really where we're at tonight spiritually is how we react to things. 
I know that stings a little bit. It stings me. I, I don't like it when I hear that <laughs> because it reminds me that uh, I, I'm a long ways from being what I need to be for God. And so, again, when we have a rebellion in our heart, and if we're proud about that, uh, there's that pride problem. That means we're going to find it always easier to respond with harshness, and we're not going to respond with tenderheartedness. And that, that's, not, that's not a good place for a Christian to be. Um, and again, that's a pride problem, and God certainly hates uh, pride. He makes no doubt about that. And that would even be a rebellious spirit uh, as well. Number five. Number five, rebellion destroys the good who are poor and needy. And this kind of really goes along with our last point. I started to tie these two together, but I want to kind of bring something out of different, out that's different. It says, verse 14, there is a generation uh, whose teeth are as swords and their jaw teeth as knives. That's a pretty graphic description about words, isn't it? To devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. Um, and again, this ties in with tenderheartedness, uh, destroying tenderheartedness. But again, I, I go back to, you know, our political catastrophe that's going on today. It's been going on for many years now. Um, there are some, and this is, I guess this is what really bothers me, is that there are some under or using the guise of helping the poor and needy uh, simply to gain some footholds, you know, power, just using these you know, they, they, they say these things about loving people and helping them, but it's just they're using them as pawns to gain footholds. And, uh, and this is more political, I guess, maybe than spiritual, but all these things are designed to destroy the fundamental truths of our country. That's what irritates me. Uh, there's been no greater country in the United States as far as accepting people. That's why everybody wants to come here, right? You know, they, they don't want to go to India right? Uh, they don't want to go to Iran, right? They, why do they want to go over there? Why don't they want to go to Turkey <laughs> and, and try some of the things that, the, yeah, uh, b b Brother Bob just you know, did this. Yeah, you get your head chopped off over there for acting like that. And so again, I, I want you to understand tonight that, listen, there's, this is something that, that, again, that certainly God's not uh, happy with. And rebellion always, listen, it uses the guise of helping those that are poor and, and needy, but really they're just using them because they don't love them. And again, uh, this is all designed. In other words, there's no, there's no limit to what they'll do in order to change what the United States of America is all about. And that's sad. And that's sad. And we need to stand up for it. Amen. Um, you know, uh, and again, uh, you know, uh, a lot of this brings a lot of reproach on a lot of, on a lot of good, well-meaning people. You know, I guess really, you know, you know to me, I, I don't understand why even in our public schools today, even in grade school levels, that they are trying to make men and even women of, 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 of great character and even of God that, that were used to make this country great. You know, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, they're making them out to be outlaws and mean people, and they're teaching these young people at a very young age this. I, I'm just telling you, rebellion destroys the good, and, and that's, that's not good. Nobody gains from that, amen? Uh, and they're, again, they're willing to destroy, do whatever they need to do. And the problem is with that is there's a lot of good people that are paying a very heavy price for that.
Number six, rebellion destroys contentment. Verse 15, the horse leech, and that's just a leech. We might think about jumping in an old kind of creek in the middle of the woods, you know, that you probably ought not swim in, and you stand up and you got a leech stuck to your leg. Uh, so that's what we're talking about is a leech. The horse leech hath two daughters crying, give, give. There are three things that are never satisfied. Yea, four things say not it is enough. Uh, verse 16, here's the four things. The grave, the barren womb, the earth that is not filled with water, and the fire that saith not it is enough. And uh, really a, a whole message could be preached on these two verses. But verse 16, verse 16 gives us really a, a small parable. We kind of ended, the, you know, we looked at 15 and 16. But verse 16 ties a lot of things together. It's, it's a, really just a small parable. And for time's sake tonight, it's just, it's just teaching us of things that are never satisfied. <laughs> and, and certainly greed is, is one of the many plagues of America today. Discontentment is a problem. Uh, it's why people, you know, jump from relationship to relationship, job to job, church to church, uh, you know, never satisfied, always wanting more, always wanting better. You know, never satisfied. And so discontentment, which I believe is really close to greed, um, uh, as seen by God, is really something that is, is a stench in his nose. In other words, a horse leech, and anybody that's ever seen a leech, I mean, they're pretty nasty. They're slimy, yucky. And so God is making a comparison here to those that never have enough, that are discontented. He's making that, he's making that connection to a, a horse leech that just wants to suck everything it can, and it never has enough. Again, God paints a pretty graphic picture sometimes, doesn't he? But it helps us to understand his feelings toward these things, and we need to pay attention to that. And so, again, when we think about these things, he uses what we would call a leech today, and how he feels about discontentment and greed. Uh, again, what's more disgusting than a leech? And so, again, I believe this is disgusting in the eyes of God. Two daughters, again, just speaking of leeches, two suckers, if you will, by which they take blood, always saying, give, give, it's never enough. And, and that's where people that are discontent, that's where they're at. God is not pleased with that. So like our four examples there in verse 16, no matter what they get, it's not enough. And that's, a, that's rebellion. Uh, rebellious people are never satisfied with anything uh, or anyone, as far as that goes. Finally, number seven. Rebellion destroys the beauty of the sexual relationship between husband and wife. Look at verse 18 through 20. There be three things which are too wonderful for me, yea, four which I know not. So these are some things that Agur would look at, and he says, you know, I, I, I look at these things, I'm amazed by what I'm seeing here, and this is pure innocence, um, yet he doesn't fully understand it. And here they are, verse 19. The way of an eagle in the air, the way of a serpent upon a rock, the way of a ship in the midst of the sea, and this fourth one seems a little out of place, and the way of a man with a maid. Such is the way of an adulterous woman, she eateth and wipeth her mouth, and saith, I have done no wickedness. What's wrong with me doing what I'm doing, this adulterous woman says. Now, most commentaries, and I'm kind of surprised by this, not all, but most really separate these two, uh, well, they separate verses 18 and 19 from, from verse 20. Certainly verses 18 and 19 could stand on their own. Certainly verse 20 could stand on its own as well. 
but, but I, I believe they're connected, and, and I want to look at them in that way to really bring out a specific point uh, concerning a sexual relationship between a husband and wife. Let me just say this, that, that certainly not just rebellion from men and what men ought to be, but certainly rebellion uh, from women and what women ought to be. Listen, that is, that is destroying marriages. It's destroying relationships. Uh, and even when it comes to the sexual part of, of, of what, marriage, uh, what marriage is for, amen? And so again, I, I want to look at this in a way, and I know it might be a little uncomfortable, and you guys know I don't really particularly like talking about these types of things, but it's Bible, so we're going to preach through it. So we know that the world, you know, why, why do we cringe? Why do we get a little uncomfortable when we talk about those things? Well, because the world's twisted the meaning, right? I mean, the world has made it something it shouldn't be um, of what uh, sex was designed for. It's been twisted so far out of shape that even a Christian may miss some wonderful things um, that uh, God gave us uh, to enjoy as husbands and wives. And we're not going to get into all that tonight, but just want to you know, try to get you to understand some things. And so in verse 18 and 19, and we'll look at those separately for just a second, we have a parable concerning what some may consider the wonders of nature. Agur was intrigued, but I believe in a moral and innocent way by the motions of these things. Uh, an eagle, a large bird, uh, you know, in flight, how a snake moved upon a rock, a ship in the sea, and so on. But the last one, again, it makes us a little uncomfortable when you look at those together um, because of, you know, things being twisted so far out of shape, it does seem out of place, but he says the way of a man with a maid. Now most that people that, that I study and, and try to read what they have to say, um, this is speaking of, of two individuals, not just a woman, but even a man who have saved themselves for marriage. Let me just stop there for just a minute. I think I've mentioned this a couple times. Often we tend to focus on the purity of a woman, but God, God wants the purity of the man just as much. It's just as important that a man be pure in marriage as a woman be pure in marriage. Let's just make that determination, amen? And so I believe that's important. But, but again, we have <coughs> two people here that are doing it the right way. Uh, and so this is a man who is a virgin, a woman who is a virgin, expressing their love towards one another for the first time. Just, uh, you know, parroting what I read there earlier. Now, again, I, I'm not, I want you to understand, I'm not so sure this is just about the physical part of a marriage, but really of the whole, of everything. But certainly the physical part of the marriage would certainly be included in that. Now, again, today, because of the world has twisted all these things out of shape, even I'm uncomfortable talking about these things, but that wasn't God's original intent. Amen? It's to be something beautiful. Uh, and when you do it right, it will be. And so, again, you know, these are things that that are very important. And, and again, things that seem out of place to us, you know, like I said, as compared to these other three, but again, the world's done that because the world's twisted. But in God's eyes, a man and a woman who, who have a relationship, uh, emotionally, physically even, that stay within Scripture, I'm just trying to get you to understand tonight, in the eyes of God, that's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. That's what that's telling us. Now, on the... The flip side of that, though, and that's why I believe these verses are connected, because now you have the other side of that, verse 20, such is the way of, such is the way of an adulterous woman. It says, She eateth and wipeth her mouth and saith, I have done no wickedness. So here's, here's an adulterous woman that has no shame about this type of lifestyle that she's living. Uh, she, she just does what she does, and you know, if you don't like it, lump it. That's her attitude. Certainly we see that today, right? 
And uh, so we see, you know, we see the truth of how the world sees, uh, uh, you know, uh, physical relationships, right? And, and that's, that's, that's a shame. And so we have a woman who, who violates, destroys the sexual relationship of, of marriage, and that's always a sad thing to see. Uh, and, but the saddest thing about this is, you know, we can't go back and change the past, right? Uh, but we can, you know, the, here's a woman, though, that, that knows her past but isn't sorry for it. She, she's proud of it, you know. She's like, I ain't done nothing wrong. Um, sees nothing wrong with it. Uh, makes all kinds of excuses. I haven't done anything wrong. And so we end there with number seven. Uh, rebellion destroys the beauty uh, of uh, the sexual relationship between a husband and a wife. And, and certainly that is a sad thing. You know, I'll end with this. You know, we do need a revival in purity, even in sexual purity. Um, a, a young man or a young woman who saves herself for marriage today, they're kind of looked at as weird. And it wasn't too long ago, it was the other way around. Um, but we went from uh, we shouldn't condemn people to applauding people for it. And that's no good either, right? And so we just need to do it God's way. Uh, and we need a revival in sexual purity, that's for sure, uh, teaching and preaching that shows from the Bible what this is all about. Um, l let me just end with this. You know, most of us are grown and married, but, but sexual purity, and this is what we need to teach to our children and grandchildren, that sexual purity has its foundations in place before you enter into the marriage. Amen. Amen. Now, I realize there's some out there that have already passed that threshold, but we need to communicate to people, you don't have to do that. You don't have to make that mistake. You can do it as God says. And when they've been married 40, 50, 60, 70 years, it'll even be better. Amen. Amen. It's important. It's important to God. Listen, God makes a big deal out of it, and there's a reason for it because it will bring a lot of joy in your life. Amen. And so praise the Lord. Now thank God for His grace. Amen. Thank God that even though man tends to blow it in those areas, he could still take a couple and bless them and use them for the glory of God and see folks saved and they can be happy. You know, I'm, please don't misunderstand me here, but don't we want to do it the way God wants it done in the first place? Amen. I mean, wouldn't that be better? Amen. Amen. That's what we want. That's what we want. And so rebellion, though, destroys all of that. and We don't want that. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Father, we come to you tonight thanking you for your love, your mercy, your grace. Lord, uh, probably should have broke this message up a little bit. It was a lot. Didn't realize it until I started preaching it. But Lord, I, I pray, dear God, that uh, there were several points here that were made. And Lord, I hope and pray that we all tonight understand that, that uh, these aren't just simple do's or don'ts. And, and Father, that we're just trying to be legalistic in our thinking. But these are things, Lord, these, this is the heart of God. These are things that God uh, says that will hurt us and hurt our families and hurt our country and so on and so on, Lord. Help us today, Lord.